Yes. Let's let's do. Let's okay. Do. Okay, Olivia. The way- I just put the ball over to your microphone. <laughs> okay. The Is that what you said? Okay. So the world's longest ski hat apparently resides in Sandpoint, Idaho, and we're talking what? Five feet? Six feet? Oh no! How long is this thing? Um, it was twenty me- feet. It was, it was measured in 2017 mm-hmm. to be 617 feet. Unbelievable. That's two uh-huh. plus football fields. That's crazy. Wow. I didn't think about it stop, that way. Stop and think about that for a moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you had been watching the game, you certainly would have been <laughs> thinking about it in terms of that's ski hat. chunk of yardage. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It was... When when did this ski hat and why did this ski hat come into existence? Um, it came into existence in 1977 with um, Ginny Woodward and Scott Hadley. Ginny had a knitting business that she was trying to promote at the time in Sandpoint. I believe it was called The Knitting Bug. And um, so her and Scott were just talking one night and they decided to make the world's longest ski hat because, because that would be cool. And uh, they kind of assumed it would be around 100 feet. Um, So to make sure that they could afford all the supplies and stuff, they advertised to the community that you could buy $2 uh, for a foot-long section with your name or business into it. And um, the advertisement went crazy, and they ended up having a 617-feet-long hat instead of a 100-foot-long so, so the hat was knitted in one, you know, it hasn't been added on over the years? Nope. Yeah. So in other words, it started off at 617 feet and it stopped at 617 feet. So yeah, it took them about eight days and she used a, a knitting machine at the time that was kind of new and special. Um, and yeah. Uh, she did her and a friend Jenny Woodward and a friend did um, seam it though and that took I think a full day so if you think about um, the a knitting machine would be kind of a, a piece of machinery about maybe four feet long and it had a shuttle on it so you'd set up all of the different yarn on the machine it has all kinds of little mechanical pieces you loop the yarn onto and then it has a shuttle so you just hold on to that and you run it back and forth left and right and it can knit an entire row of stitches just in one swiping motion so it would originally have been knit as a flat panel that was 144 stitches wide and then what olivia said about seaming it they would then have taken it off of the knitting machine and wrapped it in on itself to form a tube and so the seam would be them hand sewing those edges together to create it into a big hat (laughs) cylinder okay i get it now i was gonna ask so did they how do you start do you start at the bottom at the head or do you start at the the tassel but i guess they did it doesn't matter. They did the seam. Yeah. Or they did the whole thing flat. Yeah. There okay. are lots mm-hmm. of knitting experts who would have more details. But uh-huh. typically you would start at the brim and work your way up until the up okay. to the top. I'm I'm having a problem right now. Uh, <laughs> I guess when I think of when you say uh, the longest ski hat knitting, you know, I I imagine someone in a rocking chair 
the mm-hmm. fire going, the the cat or dog at the feet, and two needles going tick 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 tick. You know, just uh-huh. and the movement, and, the, and to find out it's a machine. I I don't know. I'm gonna have to wrap my mind around that. Tell me why I shouldn't go down that that direction, Olivia and Hannah. Oh, you should. It's fascinating. <laughs> well, well, I guess what I'm thinking of is that somebody could come along and say, I have a 617-foot hand-knitted. Uh-huh. Would that change the nature of the hat? Well, so we did a little calculation. And okay, okay. so in eight days with her knitting machine, she did uh, 10 million stitches. And do you remember... <laughs> <laughs> 10 million stitches? Do you remember what that would be if she did it by hand, what the timeline would be? Well, I think we based it off of my average knitting speed, which is very slow, but uh, we calculated it would take about two years of 24-7 knitting mm. to knit it by hand. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. So tell me more about the colors. I've never seen the hat. Have you ever seen the hat, Jack? I, I have. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes, I have seen the hat. I saw it last time it was in the Winter Carnival parade Which some was time ago. a while ago, wasn't it? It was a while ago. I'm pretty sure I saw it. Yeah, it's a beautiful Uh hat. Um, Each section is about two to three colors itself, and Uh it changes every section. So it's a very colorful and vibrant hat. Wow. And they got the support of the community to to finance. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. So, okay, it was donated to the museum in 1983. So what's the story of it with the museum in terms of? How often is it on display? How is it stored? How heavy is it? And on and on and on. Okay. So um, I believe it was on display uh, shortly after Ginny had donated it to the museum for a while. Um, and then I, I'm not really sure when it would have went back into storage. But um, they just rolled it up into like a giant yarn ball and put it back into our uh, uh, textile area. Um, as far as weight, uh, we took it down to the Fiberfest in Bonners Ferry last weekend, and we put it on a giant weight, and it was 65 pounds. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk about how this project we're doing right now got started and who kind of gave us some tips about it? Yeah, so last year we had some professional museum assessors come to the museum. Okay. And um, obviously they assessed and gave us a lot of tips and tricks and kind of a timeline plan for how to improve collections in our structure. Uh, And of course they saw this giant, giant ball of yarn (laughs) in the corner and they asked about it and we told them the story and since this is such a gem to our history in county they thought it would be a really good idea to uh, properly preserve the hat and store it because it was not at the time Um, and so that is why we're bringing it out for the parade and then the weekend after on September Uh, Saturday, February 24th, we're going to have a demo at the East Bonner County Library um, on how we're properly preserving it and storing it to go back in the museum so it lasts a long, long time. 
And, you know, when, when I hear preserving it, I, I think of, oh, you just put in a cardboard box with a bunch of mothballs. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, but I do take that, you know, what, in 2027, it'll be 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, you know, is, is there a way that you fold it? I mean, what yes. were some of the uh, tips that, that they shared with you? Yeah. Um, so we're, we actually have all those supplies. Um, we're going to start with a giant cardboard tube Ah, and, and roll it around. Roll yeah. it around it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then we'll be having, uh, we'll be putting muslin in between each roll so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. it can, um, it, it, it's not crunched when it is folded over each right, other at all. Right. And then after that, we'll be covering it with Tyvek. Uh, to uh, plastic to avoid uh, moisture and mm-hmm. pest damage. Mm-hmm. And it's actually in really great shape for not being stored properly all this time. We <laughs> unrolled it a few weeks ago. because No mo- moths, little holes in them or anything like that? There's a few spots that could be touched up, but really not that bad. We we were expecting like a family of mice to be living in the middle of it. <laughs> oh, that's charming. <laughs> Luckily, there is not, and it's in pretty good shape. Yeah, that, that whole preservation of textiles, I, I, I find interesting. My sister is a quilter mm. back in Virginia, and she made us a quilt for the bed. And after a while, we thought, let's clean it. And she, we took it down and had it cleaned, and it was done really nicely. But she said, no, you don't do that. All you do is just put it in your dryer and fluff it. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and and the other thing is she, she said that you get it back from the cleaner and it's folded and you get creases and that's not the way you store yeah. a quilt. So, no. you know, the whole preservation of textiles yes. is um, amazing. It's very delicate work and we are so lucky to have a team of volunteers at the museum uh, who just focus on mm-hmm. our textile collection. And so over the last, oh gosh, probably seven years, mm-hmm. they have done a ton of work in getting oh. textiles into archival boxes with tissue or muslin or other material archival materials that will help them last. And I just want to give a shout out in gratitude to the angels over Sandpoint. Ah. who have provided a grant for the supplies we will need to go through this conservation work on the hat that we're going to be doing at the library. Uh, we're really excited that that they they thought this project was important enough to help us preserve it. And uh, we're hoping a lot of the, the members of the Angels Over Sandpoint are going to be able to join us in the parade this, this Friday. Let's give a shameless plug to the Angels with their follies coming up at the Panada on March 1st and 2nd. I understand the 2nd is already sold out. Saturday is sold out. So if you're thinking about Friday, do it. But, you know, sometimes you ask yourself, the money that's raised, where does it go to? And here's a good example yes. of preserving the history of the community. Yay, angels. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this weekend. I know that you're going to have a showing of the hat. So on Friday before the parade um, from 1 to 4, we will have it on display at Elevate Realty. And that is 212 North 1st Avenue. And um, anybody can go in and take a close-up look at it. 
Okay. And then at four thirty or at four, we'll be taking it down to the city lot to get ready to be in the parade. And the parade starts at five thirty. But if you want to be a part of the team and actually hold the hat in the parade, we are all meeting at Sandpoint City Lot at four thirty. Now, where's the city lot located? Oh, what? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. What streets it's, are those? Uh, it's between Oak and Church and okay. between 2nd and 3rd. 2nd. That's correct. So right in the yeah. middle of downtown Sandpoint. Oh, that's where the parking lot is. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's, Duh. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm but, with you on that. Uh, My car will be moved by. Ooh. Ooh. I usually park there for yeah. the Winter Festival and stuff. Like that, so we huh. won't be able to, huh? They use that as a staging area. I'm not sure if they do, if the whole lot is closed or just a section. Section of it. How many people are you looking for volunteering to carry it? We are looking for at least 100. So uh, one person every three yards, maybe something like that? Yeah, every six or seven Mm -hmm. feet. Yeah. We thought it would be safe to keep it from Mm -hmm. falling on the ground. Have you figured out how you're going to take it like off the truck? And, and hand it out. Like, do you have a procedure in mind for how you're gonna? Do we this? we have a concept. Um, uh-huh. It involves some of those giant tote bins and ah. kind of accordion folding it ah. in ahead yes, of time. Yes, yes, yes. And then at the end of the parade, probably just kind of putting it back in the totes and taking it over to the museum to get rolled up. Again. So, what's the uh-huh. route? Do you know the route? Oh, I do not actually. Do you, Hannah? Vaguely, I have never been in the Winter Carnival Parade, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we're we're winging it a little bit. But I think it comes down Church to First and up Cedar. Okay. At the at the minimum, they okay. might they might add a little bit onto that. I'm not sure. So, how many volunteers do you have right now? I want to say it's fifty to sixty signed up. So I you'd like to have more? Yesterday we were up to seventy something. Nice. So we're getting there. Cool. Cool. And so you're looking for about 100. If someone is interested who's listening right now, they should show up at the parking lot uh, at what time? 4.30. And it says that they need to sign a waiver? Yes. And what are they wavering against? (laughs) Mostly, you know, the typical, uh, we don't want anyone to get hurt. We're going to be as safe as possible, but just if any injuries occur. You got to you got to do it these Hats days. Hats are dangerous. <laughs> yes. well, I, I, have, uh-huh. I have in my mind, you know, the hat all of a sudden taking on its life yeah. and yeah. reacting to people holding. Oh, not there, not there. Yeah. No. And, uh, what fun. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. And I hope that you get the number of volunteers needed. We would love um, RSVPs if possible. We, we can accommodate people who come uh, tomorrow night day of but if you know that you want to be a part of it please give us a call at 208-263-2344 or you can email brie at info at org. And we'll repeat all of that information uh, this will give you a chance those of you who didn't have a piece of paper and pencil at the quick Mm-hmm. Um, that you can do with that. Gather it now, and we'll do it again. Should we take a break? Probably so. I do, have, we... I do have more questions about the ski hat. Oh, can... I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. But uh, on this mm-hmm. date in 1961, this number one song was recorded. 
by the Marcells, and it's a song called Blue Moon, and they were a doo-wop group from Pittsburgh, and they took their title, Marcells, from a hairstyle called the Marcel oh. Wave. Hmm. Ooh, what? Hannah just did uh. it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're going to have to wear your Marcel Wave one time and show me it. I don't know that my hair would hold Marcel curls, but I wish it could. Ooh, They're Marcel quite glamorous. Curls. Can you describe this? Jimmy, I don't know it's what a Marcel hairstyle is. Oh, gosh, someone's going to say I'm wrong. Let's see. Um, I believe the Marcel is kind of the iconic uh, 1920s, uh, what do you call this? Just like the the really glossy, smooth waves uh, that you had. To, I'm trying to remember how they did them, if it was with irons or how do you some get kind them? of. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah, it's like a wave curl, not like a not And like how do you make the curl. curls or waves stay, you know, like your Ash Wednesday ashes? Uh, they always look really slick. So I wonder if there was some kind really of product, product involved put on in that. It. Well, this is the Marcells recorded on this date, February 15th in 1961 with their soon-to-be number one hit, Blue Moon. You saw me standing without a dream in my heart. The Marcells with Blue Moon. Uh, Hannah accurately described the hairstyle. Uh, that that is a Marcel hair hairstyle, famous for. Uh, it's a it's a women's hairstyle, but that group uh, that group of men. Five, five folks, five uh-huh. doo-wop groups. Yeah. I, I don't know how they got the name, but mm-hmm. uh, I just think that's near the Marcel Way. Mm-hmm. Cool. From 1961. Recorded on this date? Yep. Okay. Re- recorded on this date and later to become a number one hit. Cool. Um, so <laughs> well, from hair, from hair to hat. Uh-huh. Uh, yes, let's talk, let's talk hat. Let's get into it again with the uh, world's longest ski hat. We're here with Hannah Combs and Olivia Fee from the Bonner County Historical Society and Museum, which owns or what hold, holds the world's longest ski hat in their collection and uh, is breaking it out to be displayed in its full glory. This weekend uh, at the parade, uh, we were kind of going over the logistics there of how you're going to unroll it and let people uh, get it into people's hands. But um, this hat is, first, is it, who, who decides it's the world's longest ski hat? Is it self-declared? Is this certified by some <laughs> ski hat organization somewhere? It's certainly self-declared. Okay. I, I think there was an attempt to do an application through Guinness, but it mm-hmm. was never completed. So we, I mean, we've done some Googling to see if there are any other contenders. Anybody out there? Yeah. If you Mm -hmm. Google the world's longest ski hat, there is one record breaking website company that, um, it immediately pops up on. Okay. But it's not the, it's not the one you're thinking of. It's not the Guinness book of world records. No, it's not Guinness. So we might have Uh to pursue that. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, okay, and then my other question is the end. The, the end. The top. 
Is there a tassel? Yes, there's a pom-pom. A pom-pom. Yes, there is. It's not just any pom-pom, though. Yes. Okay. Is it like the size of a beach ball or Uh, something? Pretty much. Isn't it 15 inches in Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, And is somebody putting the hat, uh, is somebody going to be wearing like the brim of the hat and walking in front? Yes. Yes. Our volunteer coordinator, Val Burgess, Mm -hmm. is going to be wearing the hat in the parade. Okay. Okay. since she's the one responsible for getting all of the people there to to help carry it. Right. And then Ginny Woodward, who created the hat with Scott Hadley, is going to be carrying the pom-pom like she did right. in the original Oh, how parade. neat. How cool. Very neat. Okay. Well, and- before we begin, I, I asked Olivia, where's the second hat? You know, the one that came in second place. And she mentioned someplace in Scandinavia? Yes, I want to say it was somewhere in Scandinavia, but for sure somewhere in Europe. Um, they have a giant Santa Claus hat, but I believe it is only about 100 feet long. Uh, uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It'll Knock, take a while to catch yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on our door when you get another 500 or 600 uh-huh. feet. I love that. I love that. Okay. There are many different world records for hats, though. There's the tallest hat. Mm-hmm. The smallest hat, the largest hat. So, so there's. I, I'm a little curious about what types of measurements they're using to mm-hmm. declare all of these world record hats. Well, this one is ski hat. Yes. Yes. You know, so that's sort of it's. And it's knitted. And uh-huh. it's knitted, and I'm quite sure that, uh, hmm. uh, you know, when you say the world's tallest hat, mm-hmm. uh, that wouldn't be a ski hat. No. Yes. Yeah. Probably a Probably. top hat. Yeah, something that could stand up on its own. On its own. How how loose is the knit on the hat? It's tight. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. like it's. I'd say it's normal. There aren't okay. holes you can see through it. Okay. Um. So it's not loosely knit. So, I mean, is there anything inside the ski hat somewhere? Well, you wouldn't know. Hopefully how, not. How would we ever know? <laughs> The mice. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Want to discover anything inside it? (laughs) I I was thinking more along the lines of like notes, but also for Val's sake, yeah. What if there's like an anaconda in there or something? (laughs) Then it would come alive, like Jim said earlier. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Yeah. Uh, No, I was I was kind of thinking if somebody somebody could have, yeah, tucked a little, tucked something in there and then rolled it up and. No one would ever know. This kind of sounds like the uh-huh. time capsule we did a yes. couple years ago. Maybe someday in the future they'll discover mm-hmm. a little hidden note. It is kind mm-hmm. of great. Um, they actually knit a few notes into the end of the hat. So it says like Ginny and Scott's names and some of the other people who helped put it together. Mm-hmm. Those uh, credits, I guess, are knit into the hat nice. um, behind all of the the sponsors' names. Mm-hmm. And. All the colors of the rainbow in it? I mean, like, is there black? Or is there white? Uh, yeah. Is there black? Yeah, okay. I think so. It no, is. There's white. A, yeah, I mean, it's kind of 70s. Like, <laughs> there's a touch of the 70s kind of look to it, but it's mm-hmm. also very Technicolor. Oh, there's a little cool. bit of everything. And and the colors just blend into one another, and by that I mean it's not like, like 10 yards of yellow, then 10 yards of red, Correct. but it's... Yep, I believe each foot uh, is two to three different colors, and then the next foot is completely different colors. Any rainbow yarn, you know, where the yarn is of 
No, I don't so think so. So this is all solid color. Yes. Got mm-hmm. it. Okay. So there'd be like a, you know, like an orange panel with purple letters on it or a oh, cool. blue panel with yellow letters. Hmm. Um, it's exciting that the weather looks like it's going to be good. Yeah. Cold, but Don't clear. jinx us. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. There there's, is a, a... <laughs> we've been battering this back and forth, but if the weather is really bad, like a downpour of rain would yeah. be the, the worst option. Mm-hmm. There's a tiny chance we would have to pull the hat from the parade because the preservation and care of the hat does come first. Being able to share it with the community is really important too, but we have to look out for its, its well-being. And you could always have another time, like at the 4th of July parade, bring it out or something. Mm. If something, uh, one more time, because everybody now has their piece of paper and pen. If you are interested in volunteering to hold, they're looking for about another 40 volunteers, maybe, uh, the information, Hannah. Yeah, uh, give us a call at 208-263-2344, or you can email Bree at info at bonnercountyhistory.org. Cool, cool. Well, <laughs> is there anything else happening with the yeah. museum that we the, need to know about? We... Uh, I was going to say, we, we should talk, we must talk, we must discuss uh, a very exciting thing coming up from the museum and this radio station and the city of Sandpoint uh, in collaboration, putting together a new show that's going to air once a month. No way. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, is, uh, sorry, I was just looking at the weather. You're clear. You're good. There's no precipitation in the weather. Excellent. Yes. Uh, it is. Yes. It looks like it's going to be nice. And usually I feel like you can almost set your watch by the winter carnival coming at. You can say it's going to rain that weekend, but not this time. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was like our personal groundhog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Winter is over when the Sandpoint Winter Carnival starts. But uh, no, it looks like we're going to have clear, cold weather for the Winter Carnival, which is very exciting. Um, <clears throat> okay, is it time to elegantly transition to uh, talking about the Community Character Hour, which is coming up on KRFY uh, in a couple of weeks? Let's do it. Okay. Hannah, tell us about the Community Character Hour. To Tell us where this, uh, where this idea came from, uh, for one thing, and what, uh, what the show is going to be like. Yeah, so um, I am a member of the City of Sandpoint's Arts, Culture, and Historic Preservation Commission. This is an advisory uh, commission to City Council on matters relating to arts, culture, and historic preservation. That is led by City of Sandpoint staff member Heather Upton. So we get to collaborate quite a bit on different projects. Um, I'm usually helping with the historic preservation end of things, but... We were talking about um, just all kinds of things going on at the city, and uh, especially with our work on historic preservation, this word character comes up a lot, Um, you know, like the character of a home. And then we were thinking, you know, that word also applies to like, what is the character of our community? Uh, That comes up in different planning sessions and things. And we were kind of talking and we're like, okay, 
what does character actually mean? What, what gives a place or a home or a community character? And we're like, I don't know. I mean, like we kind of know. I think everyone has a sense of it, but it's hard to pinpoint. And so this show was Heather's idea of a way to just kind of have conversations that would get into what are the different people, places, events, culture that create our sense of character in our community. So that's where the idea came from. It's a little bit nebulous, but I think that makes it really interesting because there are so many different directions we can go. So our idea is that uh, once a month we will be doing a show with Jack and uh, we will be exploring what what character is specifically in the city of Sandpoint. Uh, so that's the concept. We'll see where it goes. I'm really excited to see uh, what this can turn into and some of the some of the little oddities we might discover that that help us get a better sense of what our what our community's character is. Uh, do you want to preview the first show, which will air Monday the 26th? I guess a week from a week from next Monday. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 What are we talking about? Yeah. So we decided to start with a pretty basic topic. Um, we are going to discuss city planning, but we're going to make it fun. And so what we're going to do is kind of talk about what is a city plan. Why is it important? What does it do for a community? And how does it kind of build that foundation that a community can grow upon? So uh, we'll be talking a little bit about, you know, what city planning is. Um, I'm excited to dive into some more ancient history of how did cities develop and how did the design and layout of them um, happen back in ancient times. Mm-hmm. Did they plan them or did they just kind of happen haphazardly? What kind of considerations were part of that development? Uh, We'll be talking about what was the first official city planning document done in the United States and um, why it was kind of a big deal at the time. And then we'll be spending most of the time focusing on Sandpoint itself. And uh, we have this really cool uh, duality between the original town site that was on the east side of Sand Creek and then what we know of as downtown today on the west side of Sand Creek. So we'll be talking about the transition from the original town site and then how it became what we know today, the people who were involved in making that happen, all of the different like contexts that that was happening in with railroad development, with homesteading and and different reasons that the town looks the way it does today and uh, why it still impacts how we live here right now. The city plan is a major, I mean, the current city plan or I guess discussions of the city plan in the future. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a hot topic in town right now. So this will be good to, good to dive into it. Talk. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I know like I, I have been up to date on a lot of the city planning efforts with Mm -hmm. my work on the commission. Um, But I think it is good for everyone to kind of take a pause, take a go in the way back machine and think about how many how many of these plans have we done in the past? How did it get started? Um, What progress have we made? What do what kind of hiccups do we still keep running up against and just kind of understand the 
the context mm-hmm. of how we got to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, this is February Monday, the twenty sixth. Mm-hmm. Yes. At eight a.m. Eight a.m. Right here mm-hmm. on these airwaves, uh, and we are planning to rebroadcast that two weeks later, mm-hmm. so it'll alternate with Doctor Joanne's um, uh, Monday morning medical, medical. musings show. Yep. So these are two monthly shows that will air once live and then be rebroadcast again. Excellent. Uh, later what on. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's cool. Uh, did we did we mention everything going on at the actual museum? Anything I, you want to preview there? I do have one more thing going on this weekend. Uh-huh. Um, I'm excited. On Saturday, I am going out to Clark Fork to the mm-hmm. library there, and I will be giving a presentation at 12:30 on the origins of the K and K fishing derby. So the Kamloops and Kokanee Fishing mm-hmm. Derby. And uh, I think it's kind of a fun take on it. I am by no means a fishing expert, so I won't be diving into the actual fishing much, but I'm going to be talking mostly about how this event was devised as sort of a uh, economic development, um, promotional type of event for Sandpoint to start bringing tourism into the or into the area for the first time and um, how that really started the tourism industry here and why it kind of saved the town from uh, an economic depression. So Saturday at 1230. Yes. At the Clark Fork library. Library. Mm -hmm. Catch Hannah live. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Excellent. Excellent. Uh, You and uh, Olivia do such great things for the community. Uh, you know, giving it uh, a sense of the past that, you know, looking beyond our present moment, taking a backward glance. And well, thank you. It's not just us by a long shot. We also have Brie on our staff. Our board is very supportive. And we have a crew of, oh gosh, about 80 volunteers who help us throughout the year who do a lot of the work that helps make what we do possible. And we want to see some more volunteers for Saturday. I mean, Friday night. Yes, Friday night. Friday night, gathering in the city parking lot at? 4.30. 4.30, and to help carry the longest ski hat mm-hmm. in, in the, the world. world. In the Yeah. <laughs> Until the, someone about, says otherwise, but we're pretty sure we've got that one locked down. How about the galaxy? Yeah. How about the galaxy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to put that on the on the packaging and, when we wrap it up. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, send it out there, you know, a challenge, you know, if it'll, there's anything yeah. else in the galaxy that potentially. It'll be uh-huh. the, on the next Voyager. There you go. They'll send I, the, I, the I hat. I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, 65 pounds, though. That would be, you know. That's a, that's a, it's going to take up a lot of space. It would take some engineering to yeah. make that happen. They can do it. They yeah. <laughs> want to thank both of you for coming in on this blustery morning, mm-hmm. uh, Hannah. Thank, you. And, thank and you for having us. Olivia, it's always good to see both of you. Yeah. You too. And we will transition and then do some events coming up as we say goodbye to Hannah and Olivia. Uh, a Beatles song on, on this date uh, was released. And uh, the single was Eight Days a Week. And there's a couple interesting facts about this song. One of it is that it's the first pop song on the charts to use the fade-in. 
The fade mm. in. The fade in rather than the fade out. Yes. A lesser used. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, never used. Yeah. Uh, and there, I'm sure that it probably was used somewhere, but not on uh-huh. a pop song. And the right. other little interesting little bit of detail is this is the first song that the Beatles went into the studio with it unfinished. Beforehand, they always mm. had finished mm-hmm. songs that they went into the studio with, and which later becomes their... Uh, um, their mode of operation there, mm-hmm. you know, that they would come in, if you've seen the, the film Get Back, mm-hmm. you know, where they just start figuring out what to do. This is the first song that they brought in, unfinished, and finished it. Here we go. Eight days a week with a fade-in. <laughs> 